Welcome to You Don't Have to Yell, episode 68. It is Dan Sally, the bod boy of nonpartisan political podcasting. And you may notice that today we are going without the standard fanfare of music and so on. Uh, we had a medical emergency at Stately Bod Boy Manor and thus are going a little raw. Uh, also, forgive me if the release schedule is a little shaky over the next few weeks. I will try to deliver it in the early hours of Thursday, as you have grown accustomed to. Uh, but again, if I'm a little late, give me a little grace there. So that out of the way, one of the bigger stories in 2020 is how the Trump campaign made inroads with black voters and reduced his opponent's advantage among that demographic from 80% in 2016 to a whopping 70% in 2020. It's not necessarily earth shattering, but given the president's language around race over the last four years, I think many of us were surprised that black voters didn't hate him more. Now, back in July, I interviewed Christian Anaha who's the son of Nigerian immigrants and then Republican candidate for New Jersey's 6th Congressional District. And I invited him back on to get his take on why Trump wasn't losing more with black voters. Now, disclaimer here, I'm breaking one of my own rules and making one man the spokesperson for an entire race, which is generally not the right way to go about things. But that out of the way, I was really interested in getting Christian's perspective, and after speaking with him, I began to get the impression that the movement of black voters towards the Republican Party is similar to the movement of white evangelicals away from it, which is something I discovered in an earlier episode with Mark Bauer. I don't want to spoil the surprise here, but I will be back at the end with final thoughts. I'm going to set the stage for everybody listening first, which is it is Thursday, November 12th, and we'll be putting this out a week from today. Uh, it's 11.05 p.m. And when we spoke last, you had one baby and your wife was expecting <laughs> number two and number two's come along since, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that was like a, a million years ago. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. One kid, an extra kid will do that to you, man. You know, yeah, like, and, oh. and so, so it's 11 PM now. First, you're, well, first off, congratulations. Thank Second, you. you're going to need to explain to me and the folks listening what it is you're doing awake right now. You know, I'm, I'm still figuring out my schedule, obviously mm -hmm. with, with the second child coming in. Um, yeah. And just like, you know, just different changes in, in the community, but, Typically, you know, in the morning time, um, I'm, I'm rushing to get my, my first daughter. Um, her, her name is Angel, and uh, she's about a, a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, my, my motive is to get her into daycare uh, before yep. 8.30. And uh, I'm usually online at, at work uh, by like 9, like latest 9. Mm -hmm. um, on, 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 on a perfect day. You know, mm -hmm. I work at like eight eight thirty, and the baby's in daycare by like seven thirty. Mm -hmm. um, but it kind of we kind of go with the tune of whenever she wakes up, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then from there, you know, logging off around like five five thirty, and you know that's when like a different mode kind of kind of kicks in. You know, more um, community service or you know within within business. Um, mm -hmm. I, I do have a small business that I run. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cleaning service company, you know, mm -hmm. bringing a little money on the side or, yeah. or some kind of community service, you know, um, you know, whether it's Sayreville's rec, rec recreation or maybe within like the New Jersey Republican party or just anyways, I can just improve myself, you know, better for the community. So that's typically between like five to like seven thirty ish mm -hmm. or, or eight, so maybe a local event around town or something. And then from eight to 10, um, you know, that's, that's in the area, in the ballpark of like getting the baby dinner, um, you know, feeding house chores, house cleaning, um, whatever basically I didn't do 
the whole day that my wife told me to do that I didn't do. Yeah. Like eight to 10 is like my chance, like really, really clean it up or prep it for tomorrow. Um, and you know, like obviously getting the baby a shower, you know, basically that, that whole process. And then, you know, dear God, I really hope that she's in bed by 10. If not, I'm looking at like a 30 minute drive just around town to get her into bed between yeah. 10, 30 to 10 to 11. So by 11, it's like, Oh wow. Like, like this is like Christian, like the person, like, you know, like what, like, how do you want to spend your day Christian? You know, but meanwhile, it's already 11 PM. Like, you know, do I want to watch like soccer highlights, a basketball highlight, or just like, I can, I get to like breathe and just be myself, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so first off, you're making me and everybody else who's listening feel bad because I, I'm, I'm pretty sure most people would kind of tap out with the whole, like get the kid back from daycare after work, but you're like tacking on community service and, and then there's still Christian time, which I'm finding amazing for those listening. Christian and I first spoke back in July, beginning of July. Uh, and, and I want to get into some of the stuff we talked about back then uh, in just a second. But the thing that, struck me back then and the thing i'm being reminded of now is is just how service-minded you are and i i want to i want to dig into that i guess first to level set i invited you back on um to talk a little bit about the gains the republican party made in this year's election cycle um with black voters specifically um and I wanted to, before we get into the deep stuff, I, I wanted to level set on that because I feel like, and you'll know this being, you know, being a father now, and obviously your, your wife has gone through pregnancy twice. Um, I feel like sometimes when you're a, when you're a white dude talking about issues of race specifically, it, it's, it's almost the same as being the dad it, or being yeah. a, you know, the dad, when your wife is pregnant, or, I get that now, <laughs> right? Because I can, I can, I can read all the books, Christian, and I can empathize. Yeah, you know that, and, that's really the response in a sense. Right. But I'm never going to understand. And I'm also right. going to like every now and then do dumb shit, like, you know, heat up chili during morning sickness or something <laughs> like that. So, so needless to say, if I do any dumb shit today, just call me on it. That's what I this is all good, about. Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 I want to level set that because we're gonna go we're gonna go okay. into that specific aspect Not of this, this year's election cycle. But but again, with that out of the way, to to set up the 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 listeners who maybe didn't hear our first episode with with your bio and what you're about, um, you know. So Christian's parents came over here from Nigeria and pretty much lived the American dream. So put themselves through school move from renting an apartment in Newark to owning a home in a nearby suburb. And Christian recently ran as Republican for New Jersey's sixth congressional district. Yeah. And to be, and to be frank, I, I mean, had a pretty good showing. So you, know, you went up against an entrenched Democrat. You got about 40% of the vote from what I can see. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Is that, is that right? We're, I think I'm at like 38, 39. So yeah. Uh, you know, seventy five percent counted. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully forty. Um, that's that's not bad. Yeah, but still, I mean, you're talking about running as a Republican, very blue state, blue district. You know, I mean, you're right up next to New York, uh, or up up in the northern part of the, uh, the northern urban part of the of the state. Yeah, and um, kind of getting back though to your. To, to, to your upbringing and your parents, like that to me really explained your move to the Republican party. Um, because despite all their changes, I, I mean, they're still like the party of, of self-reliance more or less. Yeah. You know, I would think, you agree there? I think so. Yeah. 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 And, and I know one of the things you said to me, uh, in our last conversation was when you were growing up, you really never thought of the Republican party as an option because you'd, you'd heard that they were anti-black for the most part. Yep. And, and, 
when you started interacting with them, your experience was a lot different. And could you just, could you talk a little bit about that for the folks listening and kind of what that experience was like? You know, I I would say this, um, when we look at the Republican party, it's really, in fact, any party, it's important to understand that, you know, what you see or hear or experience at the national level is not necessarily this necessarily the same at the local level, you know, mm-hmm. um, um, it, it shouldn't be, but it is. Yeah. And I felt that for the national level, you know, the Republican party, you, you see more, um, you know, as you mentioned, like self-reliance, um, it just feels like a party built and established for elderly white men. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's just the vibe you get. Honestly, like that was that was that was my mindset growing up, you know. Um, yeah. And if you weren't an old white man, then like here and there you might see a Herman Cain. But like these are billionaires, you know, like a, a Ben Carson is like, you know, super brilliant millionaire. Like he went to Johns Hopkins. He was the one who like separated conjoined twins. Like, you know, you had to be like a, some sort of superhero, but like, if you're just a regular person, you know, regular Joe Schmo and you're black, like, what are you doing in the Republican party? Like, like how, like how, you know, like how does that work? You know, it, it always yeah. felt like a mystery to me growing up. But, you know, when you, when you look at it locally and, you know, you, you find different pockets in different towns in different areas in the country and you realize that, no, like it's not really as much as a, of a franchise as, as you would expect. You know, um, it, it does have, you know, variations. And I, I gener- generally speaking, like, you know, we never even saw Republicans. Like you never, to even meet one, you must have been in like a very peculiar and unique town, you know? Um, so I just never even even had an interaction. But when I be, when I, when I moved to Sarahville and, and I, I began working with a few, um, you know, within recreation advisory, you know, they were just cool. Like, and funny enough, I already became, I already become friends with so many people. And then I discovered that they were Republicans and I'm like, what? I'm like you're Republican, you know, like I've, I've never, I've never met one. Like what, like, like, you know, it, it was, it was very surreal to me. You know, when, if you're coming from, from Newark, New Jersey, you don't, you don't run into Republicans often. You know, so, um, and then one of the gentlemen, you know, happened to be the mayor of my town. I'm like, I, I can't believe we continuously vote a Republican every single year. Like, and we just, we just love him. He's just amazing. He's cool. He's loving. He's caring. He's just, he's a great guy. And he's compassionate. And like, I mean, you would think he was a Democrat from, from the, from the stereotypical mindset, especially coming from an immigrant background. What were some of the what were some of the ideals specifically that really resonated with you? It's it's really the, the standpoint of like, hey, uh, a lot of uh, I'll be real, a lot of Democrats they have the right ideals at heart, like yeah. morally correct, but in terms of the strategy, not necessarily. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I think I agree with that a hundred percent. Like, like if someone is is. You know, like, should we not be like, should we not borrow money to help the poor? Like, of course we should. Right. But does not does that not that that doesn't change the fact that, you know, there are there are folks who are poor now that weren't always poor. They were once middle class five years ago, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. but maybe a recession hit like during the Obama administration or maybe COVID hit right during like the, the Trump administration. And there are folks maybe, you know lost their jobs, right? We were looking at high levels of unemployment. So when you find folks who are doing okay and now they need help, sure, you know, we find ourselves in a situation where we're we're borrowing money, true. However, you know, five years later, 10 years later, when we're still borrowing money, you know, if I say, hey, you know, we're not doing things right, maybe as a Republican, it's like, ah, oh, here, here Republicans go again. They don't want us to borrow money and help the poor. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not what I'm angry about. It's that we're borrowing money without an actual plan on how to improve ourselves to the next level so that we don't need to continue to be a borrowing state. Yeah. And so it, it sounds like the economic, the economic aspects really appeal to you. 100%. I, and I don't know how to say this. Like, I don't want to stereotype, but do you feel like is that... Is that a typical position of your 
of 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 your average black voter out there like why is the why do you feel that so many black voters gravitate towards the democratic party in the first place you know i think that as a country we're we're in a position where we're redefining who we are which is okay because that every every so number of years or every so number of generations you kind of have to mm-hmm. like you know, the modern woman isn't the same as the woman in the fifties or sixties, you know? Yeah. Uh, they're like, which, which will affect the modern marriage, right? Um, modern modern parenting is different, but honestly, modern races are different too. You know, Mm -hmm. like black people in general, we're, we're different than we were in the eighties. We're different than how we were in the sixties. Now, how are we different? We're still finding out, you know? Yeah. I've got a, a theory Okay. And I don't know if I told you this last time, but basically every like 70 to 80 years in the United States, everything falls apart. Mm. And if you take, if you go, I think it's 1783, end of the, um, end of the revolution, you know, peace, right. peace treaty signed with England. Mm-hmm. It's about 75 years between that and the start of the civil war. And then you take 1865, end of the Civil War, to 1930, start of the Great Depression. Again, another 75 years. Well, you go to 1945, end of World War II, you tack 75 years onto that, and you get to 2020. And and I my belief yeah, is, yeah. is that, you know, my belief is that uh, generally systems – large systems like the United States is a large system, you know, they're self-perpetuating and they're kind of built in a certain way. And then they just kind of execute on that programming for as long as it takes and, or for as long as it lasts. And these systems are also self-perpetuating. So very often they live beyond their, their life cycle. Um, and, And I think where, and like you, to your point, you know, society changes, um, what gender means in society changes, what religion means, what race means in society yeah. changes. Yeah. That's changing while the structure isn't. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think where we're at right now is we're at a point where uh, society has changed. The structures around it have not. It's, it's, it's starting to buckle, I feel like. Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I I think, I think, yeah, I think it's starting to buckle. And I think one of those areas, one of those friction points that that's popped up uh, over, you know, in the, in the, in the last couple of years has been, has been race. That's one of the big ones. It was a big issue this election cycle. Um, And, and I think the thing that at least I found um, that made it so big. I think in a lot of ways it was, it was the president's language around it. Um, yeah. I, you know, I'm thinking more gendered though. Sorry to cut you off. You think, no, no, no. You go for it, man. I, you go I for think, it. I think in 20, I see, I think that if you said that five years ago, spot yeah. on. Yeah. But I think in 2020 it's okay. I'll give you an example, right? We don't say Kamala Harris, the first black vice president. We yeah. say Kamala Harris, the first female vice president. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, I think that we're in an era where like, it's actually not necessary. I mean, yet again, when it comes to police brutality, it does feel like it's more racial, but yeah. I'm, I think from a national level, like as in, I think it leans more gender right now. I really, I think so. I, I think, you know, when you look at elections as well, like when, when it's all, when the dust settles, I think we discover that, you know, the projected president elect wins not because of race or like Latinos voted this way or blacks voted this way. I think when we study it more, when the dust settles, we discover, oh, it was women who got Joe Biden over the I 100% agree with you there. I 100% agree with you there. The the police brutality was a big one though, because I think like, Mm -hmm. I I do know that, um, you know, especially the, I think the president's language around it really divided a number of people. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, I mean, do you get that though? Do you get why so many people were kind of turned off? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like I, I, I try to, I really, you know, as I, I, I pray that I rise in politics, but I really, I really want to be that politician who still has my feet to the ground. And I, I understand the normal temperature in the room and I'm not really out of touch, but like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not, I'm not one of those Republicans in the context of like, I don't know why they hate him so much. You know, it's like, no, I, I, yeah. I understand. 
Like yeah. I, I don't, I don't have the same feelings, but yeah. I can say that like, yo, I understand, you know, th- those, those who feel offended by his rhetoric, I understand where they're coming from. The thing yeah. about me is that like, I'm from Jersey and I meet New Yorkers all the time. There's a lot of them. They, they just, sometimes they just talk like assholes, you know? Yeah. But like, oh yeah. But like, I get where they're coming from, you know, <laughs> like, but like quite, quite yeah. frankly, and, and that, that's not an excuse, but my point is that I, I feel like a lot of times when I listen to him speak, I understand where he comes from. And sometimes when people say they don't get Joe Biden, like, you know, he's crazy. He's, 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 he, you know, he can't process his thoughts or his words. It's like, eh, I understand where he's coming from too, you know? Yeah. Well, it kind of goes both ways, but when it comes to police brutality, I, man, all right. So my, my party really doesn't, they're not the biggest fan of me speaking on this, but mm-hmm. out of respect to this podcast, man, I'm just going to, I just want to lay it straight. Imagine a guy, you know, living in um, a really chill neighborhood. He just mm-hmm. moved to, let's say, a co- predominantly white neighborhood. You know, yeah. Um, he just walking his dog around this apartment complex, and you know, all of a sudden, police come by and they say, "Hey, you know, uh, we got reports that you know those suspicious activity, you know, of a young man looking just like yourself, looking inside windows." you know startled some neighbors you know do you know anything about that kind of activity and this guy's like nah man just walking my dog <laughs> and the mm-hmm. problem like well you know you look you know you were literally the description the whole entire outfit everything so um just want to tell you to you know stay away from the windows as much as you can even though you're walking your dog i get all that and the guy's mm-hmm. like all right cool no problem i get it you know, you know people may not be necessarily used to a person of color in the neighborhood maybe they felt like i was too close to their windows fine whatever i'll just walk in my dog i'm gonna keep it moving anyways yeah but unfortunately the story doesn't end there right uh the cop says hey you know just for my reports i need to you know ask you for your id you know, um, and just identify you. Nothing too crazy. And the guy's like, I mean, we're in broad day, you know, like yeah. my neighbors are already looking out the windows, looking at me right now. And they're already thinking, oh, the black guy with the police, like, damn, like I, I knew he was up to no good. Like that's what they're, that's what this black guy's thinking. They're thinking, right. Mm-hmm. And now he says, okay, cool. You know what? I'm going to give you my ID. It's in my back pocket. Can I reach out for it? The cop goes, uh, you know, before you reach out for it, I just want you to put your hands on the wall. Let me just search here just to make sure you have no weapons. Man, in broad daylight, two hands on the wall, everyone looking at you, being patted down. And you were just walking your dog, you know, mm-hmm. like you're just, just walking your dog, man. Like, like, can I, like, can I, can I live? <laughs> you know, like that's mm-hmm. the common feeling, you know, um, when, yeah. when, when you step outside, it's like, bro, like, am I going to catch a break today? Or like, am I going to really stumble into some BS? And that, that, that that's the typical mindset of, of, well, I can't speak for every black person, but I would say generally speaking, a black guy, like, I, I think that's, 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 that's our general mindset when we walk out the house, you know, like, am I wearing a tie? Like, do I look as non-threatening as possible? Because I just want to go about my day and keep it moving. Uh, the situation didn't end that way. Honestly, the guy got into a mix-up and shots were fired, you know? So what started off like a normal story, yeah, here we go again, right? So yeah. little encounters like that, um, when you have someone explain, ah, uh, you know, it was an unfortunate situation, you know, uh, the, the cop was just doing his job, you know, he, you know. Uh, and they, they explained the legality as to why the cop got off free. Um, you know, oh, like, why was the guy running, though? Or why was he doing this? Like, you know, like, just do what the cop tells you to do or, you know, all these things. But it's like, you know, when, when you live in a situation for so long and, and like the, the the story I just told you, mm-hmm. it's another day in the day. Like, it's, it's just another it's just another day in the neighborhood for a black guy, honestly. That kind of stigma doesn't necessarily leave you because the next time the next time you go to a house party and something goes missing, all eyes are on you as a black guy, you know, like, like these things, these things stick with you, you know? Um, so little things like little, little things like that. Um, mm-hmm. the truth is a lot of times the Republican party doesn't speak towards the pain or the shame, the embarrassment, um, that people feel. But yet again, like how can they, if like a lot of their leadership 
don't know what that's like. You know, like, like the, the the story I just broke down to you, yeah. a lot of people don't really know. Like, oh man, like that's that's how it happens. I didn't, I never thought of it that way. Like, I, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if you had viewers who that's the first time hearing of some some kind of encounter. You know? I, yeah. Well, I think I think kind of getting back to the whole pregnant analogy. You know, yeah. like you you can live your life being totally unaware of it and and to be honest and and i'll be real with you here yeah um to a lot of white people the realization is almost so uncomfortable that they just kind of go back to like the i don't see color world because yeah you know because to to, because to really confront it i'll I'll give you i'll give you a story from 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 me personally when i when it kind of hit me um which is my i had my kids enrolled in uh in jujitsu Ooh. Right, and we were the yeah. I I did it. They did it. We all did it together. Okay. We were the we were the only uh with only white people in the dojo. So for the most part, I think mo- most of the people there were either you know Haitian or Jamaican. But you right. know everybody's right. everybody's black, and we're we're the we're the only white people in the dojo. And we were in class. One of my kids has sensory processing disorder, which is kind of like kind of like a form of autism in a way, you know? Okay. Um, it, by the way. Yeah. But so what it means is there are certain points when they just kind of become less agreeable, you yeah. know? Yeah. And then you have a choice. Do I kind of go with this person, you know, do, or, or should, do I just kind of, com- do I, do I let them, do I give them what they want or do I just create a situation where he has a total meltdown in the middle? of uh, this in in the middle of class or wherever. So at any rate, one of these situations comes up in the middle of jujitsu, his belt falls off and he walks over to me to put it on. And now the sensei is telling him to come back. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm standing there with a choice, which is, do I put the belt on this kid and just avoid the meltdown? Or do I make him comply with the sensei? Right. Mm. And I'm standing there and everybody's looking at me. Right. Yep. And it just, it hit me that everyone, every other kid in that class would have been right back there in front of the sensei. Oh, for sure. And, and because I'm the one and my kids are the ones who have the luxury of being able to have a bad day yeah. or being able to have a meltdown, being able to have sensory processing disorder and not have people automatically just attach a, a a list of judgments against them as part right, of it, you right. know, and that that's what we call privilege where I'm from. Right, man. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so I tell that story not to, I, 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 I tell that story because I want folks listening to understand like, you know, that if you're white and you're listening, like you have the freedom to get up in the morning and go and drive down the street with bedhead and get a cup of coffee and not think anything of it. You know, yeah. am I wrong here? I mean, right. you tell me, I, I hate to, I hate to be hog on the spotlight here, but I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to. It's those little things. Right? It's like for me, like I, I don't even walk outside my complex without being fully dressed in the nighttime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the the other side of the story I gave you, it wasn't the black guy walking his dog. It was the black guy walking his daughter in the stroller. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, little things like that, it's a quick reminder that, you know, no matter how, how, no matter how much you, you try to see, which, which leads to a larger conversation that like, yeah. you know, it takes a couple of generations for certain cultures to assimilate or, or be a, you know, it take, I, I guess let me put it this way. There, there was, I feel like from my research, there's been a, there was a time where Italians or even Irish or different different groups coming into the country weren't necessarily necessarily acknowledged mm-hmm. by you know by the establishment. You know, um, yeah. In fact, they weren't even seen as white, from my understanding. You know, it took a couple it took a couple of generations for that for them to really be acclimated into the country. Yeah, in, 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 in such fashion. And I think that we're at a point where, like, you know, other groups, I, I think that African-Americans are gradually being assimilated into, like, American culture properly, yeah. or just not quite there. 
but getting close, you know? Yeah. And, and it feels like after that might be now like, you know, Latinos maybe that that's kind of what it feels or maybe certain, certain forms of like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm still thinking I, about it, but I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you there. Cause my, so my, when my grandparents came here, it was still definitely like, okay, not to like the Irish. Okay. And when my grandmother, one of my grandmother's first jobs, she was in, um, she was a servant for this woman. And the woman never bothered to learn her name, called her Molly. Cause she said all Irish girls are named Molly called all the Irish, all the Irish girls, Molly. Wait, okay. I'm going to get, I'm going to give you something else. My cousin, this is my cousin, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was, was, he's a, he's a little older than me was harassed in high school because he looked Italian. Cause he was, ha- yeah, man. So, I mean, this is now Boston is another planet. I mean, in terms of like, yeah. you know, in terms of, in terms of race relations, but yeah, man, I, I do think there's a gradual cultural awakening and, but, but it's, 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 it's different in the sense that like it, it, with the Irish, it was like, it, with the Irish, it, I mean, I think the Irish started coming in like 1880 was the big first big wave. Okay. And then, you know, you look my parents' generation, like, you know, my parents were born in 1945, 19, you know, around World War II. Yeah. Um, you know, they were kind of the first generation to make it in a way. Um, I want to like, I want to ask you a question here because, you know, with all, like, obviously race has been at the, like, has has been and especially police brutality huge issue yeah yeah over the last over the last few months um and and so i think that's what made the gains that trump saw in in the black vote um really surprising to a lot of people because you know just to give you i mean i'll give you some stats and the final vote count isn't in so you know we don't have this data yet but um from 538, this is just the end of October. Um, now, Clinton in 2016 had an 82% advantage amongst black voters. Okay. And th- that shrank to 71% in 2020. And the biggest shrink or the biggest change was among younger voters, so 18 to 44. Oh, for sure. And the gap shrank from 76% to 57%. In, in 2020. So that's yeah, like almost, yeah. that's like a 20%. That's like a 20% difference. So what are your feelings on, on that and, and yeah. why that, why that happened? I would go as far as saying that young men of color are, are more likely to be why that number went down compared to women. You know, mm-hmm. um, in my personal experience, you know, Hey, did you vote? Did you vote? Did you vote? Did you vote? For everyone I ask, I'm more likely to get the young lady who says, yes, I voted compared to the young guy. I think we need to take a study as to why is that the case, you know, because that now kind of looks beyond race just a little bit. It's now like race coupled with another variable, which is now gender. But to stick to just race individually, um, you know, obviously Barack Obama, (coughs) when when he won, you know, the number of, of colored votes skyrocketed, you know, um, we, there were just a lot of people, a lot of respectable figures in the young black community, which, which is still synonymous with, with the hip hop culture, you know, mm-hmm. because hip hop culture is, it's still a young culture and it's a young culture of color predominantly, you know? So when you have hip hop involved in an election cycle, I think it's going to, it's going to reflect. And, no other time that, that happened than during Barack Obama's two elections. Now, mm-hmm. after that, yeah, like I do recall seeing Jay Z on stage with Hillary Clinton. I recall seeing LeBron on stage with Hillary Clinton. You know, um, yeah. I think those things do. You know, it does have an effect in terms of the demographic we're talking about. Now, does it turn away other voters in different demographics for Hillary Clinton? I think so, um, mm-hmm. because it just looked like pandering. If I feel, I think so. I think that's how people felt. Yeah, but and I think that um, you know the the projected uh, president elect felt that you know we're not going to do it the way Hillary did it. We're just gonna you know just kind of go raw. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, and I'm, although yet again, I think that they did have Cardi B at the Democratic convention, but like it wasn't still, I, I, I felt personally, it wasn't, we didn't really see too much of a hip hop influence involved directly uh, side by side with, uh, you know, Joe Biden or, or, or Kamala Harris at that uh, in comparison to Hillary Clinton and President Barack Obama. Yeah, there's there's kind of two things I'm 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 sensing here. Um, you know, number one, getting back to those statistics I cited, the younger vote was the the portion that changed the most. So it almost speaks to your notion that that it's generational or that things are changing, mm-hmm. and maybe the younger generation isn't so inclined to just automatically default to the Democratic Party. Um, the second part of that. And, and this is something I've picked up just in what I've read so far is that I, I hear more from a lot of black voters who are asking like, well, what are we getting out of the democratic party? And also true. Also true. You, you think so? Okay. I was going to go to was like, I mean, think about it. If you're, if you're, if you're black and you're in New Jersey, then statistics, statistics says that you probably voted for Al Gore. And then, after that, you voted for John Kerry. Those are both losses, you know. Now, you know, in eight years total, you were young, you know, from 18 now to like maybe like 24, you know, you're not really that much interested in politics anymore because you feel like eh, something is rigged about this thing. It just doesn't really feel right, right? Then Barack Obama comes in. It's like, okay, cool. Like, I'm back. I'm voting for him, right? Statistically, that's what it would say. And then you vote again. And, and you're up, you're, you feel cool. And then you see Hillary Clinton and it's like, eh, you know, like she's not Barack, but like uh, she, she, she's cool, I guess. You know, Jay-Z is pushing her, you know, like I'll vote, fine, whatever, maybe. Yeah. You know, but then maybe on election day, it's like, when the polls close, six, uh, it's 4.30, I may or may not go. Like you're not necessarily as enthusiastic, you know? Yeah. Um, then she loses and it's like, damn, she lost. You know what? If she if she runs again, I, I might just vote this time, really. But then it's Joe Biden. It's like Joe Biden. Like, I mean, like I like Joe, but like, I mean, like I liked him really just because he was Rock's VP. Not that I really liked him just individually, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like what 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 is Brock saying? It's like, well, during the primaries, Brock is saying nothing. You know, um, Brock is just waiting. And it's like, man, Brock is gonna say nothing during the primary for real. Like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna just chill too. That's the typical mindset, right? I'm going to look at Bernie Sanders. Let's see what Bernie Sanders is. In fact, Bernie Sanders would have actually brought out more of the younger vote, by the way. You know, like he, yeah. he had it. He, that's another thing, right? Like even Joe Biden winning felt funny. Um, the same way Hillary Clinton winning the primaries felt funny four years before that. That's another thing that, that also was a factor that no one is really going to talk about too much. I had a guest on couple weeks ago, Steve Cox was a guy who ran for uh, Congress as an independent in California. Okay. And we were talking about, you know, how the Republicans nominated someone like Trump first. So, you know, 2016, uh, things were kind of at a boiling point and it was really the Republicans that caught on to that earlier on. And I asked, I just asked, like, why do you think that's the case? And he said, because the Republican primary is more Democratic, whereas the the Democratic primary is very wow. much guided by the party elders. Still, mm. you know, um, interesting take. So wow. it, it sounds to me, though, from like your interpretation there, you know, it sounds to me like you're. It, it's more maybe apathy than. Um, than like any sort of philosophical type yeah. difference. Am I right there or am, right, I, am I wrong? Right. Like, yeah. When we push them to shove, like, you know, if you're a person of color and you look at Joe Biden, not that you have any personal thing against him. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. a few policies here and there, you know, um, I, I don't want to take any low blows because like, I feel like it would be so cliche of me as a Republican. But in general, like, I, you know, I want to give a I want to think of myself as like not a politician, but like a general voter. Yeah. Like you're you're likely like, you know, he's cool. He sounds nice. He seems cool. But like I really only care much for him because Barack chose him. 
Yeah. You know, like, but apart from that, it's like, uh, but I don't, I don't really, I don't really care for the guy. I don't really know him like that anyways. You know, like, yeah. like, you know, the fact that he's not president Trump, you know, I, I think a democratic voters, like that's, that's a huge positive, but like, I don't really rate him like that anyways. The same way you probably thought about Hillary Clinton, you know, it's like, yeah, like she's cool. You know, like I don't really have anything personally against her, but like, I'm not, I, I don't feel like I'm not going to go campaign for her. Like, I'm not going to make phone calls for her. Like, I'm not really hyped for her, period. You know, so oh. so that's going to reflect in the, like, like when the polls come out, you know, like, and it's just like, oh, yeah, she didn't do as well with black folks. Like, damn, like, what's going on with the Democratic Party? It's like, no, like, you were always bad with the black votes for some time now. You know, just that Barack was able to really hide that. And, you know, now we're getting back into that original conversation that we were supposed to have in 2000. Yeah. You know? Um, so that's, that's, that's really, and again, like it goes to show that like, you know, as a country where this is like, this is where we're at as a country. Like, you know, every, like every, everyone has to like really begin to reassess themselves, whether you're white, you're black, Indian, Hindu, Jamaican, like whatever it's even religion, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're Roman Catholic, this is time for you to really re- redefine who you are. Like, were you Pentecostal? Like, I, whoever, like in whatever demographic or category, like, well, are you married? You need to redefine what marriage is, right? Like, isn't that's where we are as a country? Like, you, you're an American, you need to redefine what that even means. Like, that's like everything is on the hinges right now, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but the thing is that we had opportunities to have this conversation, but we found unique ways to patch it, you know. And, yeah. But now we can only we you know now that. Uh, we've put the bandages on the internal bleeding continues. So now that it's leaking over, it's like, okay, you know what? Let's, let's finally have that conversation. Let's, let's, let's just, let's just, let's just finally do it. Um, And, and that's why you can hear a conversation of like, Oh, let's, let's build a wall. It's like a wall. Like, yeah, it's because there were record numbers of folks coming in for so long. We just never, we like, so like, the whole like wall conversation, that's more of like patchwork again, but like, it's nonetheless, we're going to have to, have a defined conversation, whether on the Senate floor or on the House floor, like, hey, like, how many are we going to let in? Like, like, what's what, 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 what does that number look like? Like, at some point, we have to have the conversation. So it's, it doesn't matter what topic we even touch on right now. It's still going to lead to, like, we have to define that as a, as a, as a country. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that there are, um, I think you're right. I think I, and, and, and I, and I don't think that we're at the end. I think we are at the, I think we, we are really at the beginning of this conversation. I think a lot of, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people are like, you know, we'll get a vaccine. Everybody will be back in the movie theaters. Everybody will be, everything will be fine. No, I think this is starting a lot of very difficult conversations and a very, a lot of very Mm -hmm. difficult structural changes that yeah. we're going to have to make as a country. Yeah. Um, we, and, we're, we're, we're just about starting. I, I feel like yeah. we're, you know, like the, the, the civil rights movement in the sixties, yep. they were already, they, they were, they already had organizations, but then like they were looking for their, for their spokesman, you know? Yeah. I feel like yeah. where we're at now, like people who have different forms of interest, they're looking for their spokesman. Right. So for the civil rights group is like, Oh, they found this young PhD, like this, this young doctor married it's like yeah let let him speak for us like his name is martin martin luther, martin luther, martin luther king all right you're, you're gonna speak for us then like you know your dad's a minister you're perfect like you're the guy you're gonna rep you're gonna be our face like we have this boycott we're trying to do which you know like so i think that different groups are, are looking for their face so mm-hmm. like once once the different quarters with the different special interest groups or whatever it, 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 in, in every single capacity has determined who their faces are then the game begins. One of the things I remember from our last conversation is you had this genuine love for American democracy. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, not just your parents' experience, but your experience living abroad and, and being in places that didn't have the same stable democratic institutions we have here. And, um, and, Right now, we're at the second election in a row where the losing side is questioning the validity of the vote. So, you know, a lot of people don't, yeah, a lot of people don't remember, you know, end of 2016, you know, Jill Stein had a recount. Uh, a lot of folks on 
the Democratic side were talking about faithless electors. A lot of the same language you're hearing now. Um, granted, it wasn't necessarily coming from the party leader, but it was there. And I guess, like you know, given your experience and looking at that, how how does that all make you feel? Okay, so our electoral process. Um, Again, we need to redefine what that is, what that looks like, what we want. Over in Nigeria, where, where, where my parents were born, you know, think of a narrative where, like, you know, peaceful protest is met with, like, live ammunition. You know, you begin to realize, like, you know what? I think I'll take the tear gas. Like, I, I, I'll take the paintballs. Like, I, I'll, I'll take that, you know? But, you know, there, I, I have a lot of my, my Democratic friends where it's like, how can you send the National Guard amongst your citizens? And it's like, no, that's even nice. Like, you know, in a different country, like where my parents were born, they met the army, like the army. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's, it, there's no national guard. Like it's the army. We just have one, you know, like we'll turn that on whoever, you know? Um, so when you think of it from that perspective, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll take the American democracy anytime, anywhere, any day. Does it concern you when folks are, are, are losing faith like they are. Yeah, I, see, I, I understand where they're coming. Where, where they're coming from. Let, let, let's look yeah. at this this election process to begin with, right? <clears throat> yeah. What, what <clears throat> I, I feel like I understand both sides. Maybe let me give you like the the general Republican side, right? Yeah. Again, over in my side of town, heavily Democratic. I mean, when I say heavily, I mean like it's not even close. I mean, yeah. We we had to beg for. Uh, Republicans to come in to be poll watchers to to even come in and to count votes because they just they they virtually virtually don't exist in certain towns. On this podcast, I've actually had um, uh, the precinct clerk for Polk County, Florida, which is a county in Florida that that is roughly fifty fifty Democrat Republican. Okay, um, and uh, and so she walked me through the whole process of vote counting, security, all that stuff. Um, and and from my perspective, when I look at the process, the process is pretty sound. Um, but I but but I I think the issue is we as a as a country, and especially on the the partisan side, have such an intense mistrust for the right. other person, right. you know, for the other party, and 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 I wonder, rightfully so, by the way, rightfully, yeah, you know, yeah, like you you can't tell me that. In 2000, you know, the back and forth between Bush and Gore oh. was just clean. Like, no, no, no. Like, the mistrust, like, we get it. We get it. Yeah. You know, um, when you look at, I mean, but, but the, the question is, is it enough to rig the outcome of the election? You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's now where it's like, you know, like, listen, there might have been, do I, like, do I think there were, there, there may have been a few counties that were messed up, sure. Like I don't, I don't think that that's far fetched. America is very diverse, you know. I, I can think that yeah, like there might be that one county in Alaska, that 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 one county in Georgia. Like sure, I, I can totally perceive that, you know. Now, you know, is it enough to like win the whole thing? That's where I'm kind of off that ship a little bit. Yeah, and I agree. I I think the. The and and I've made I don't think I made any secret on our episode or on any of the other episodes. You know, I wasn't a Trump voter in, in either cycle. Mm -hmm. Um I actually hate Hillary Clinton, but I voted for because that's like that was my aversion to Trump. But um not neither here nor there, just where I'm just where I'm at. Um but all that out of the way, you know, I'm like a Democrat low key. Little what's that? That, that? that kind of sounds like a little bit like like a Democrat, though. It's it's a tough one, man. It's a tough one. I gotta tell you, like I I I know. Well, look, man. I mean, it's like I'm I'm functionally electorally, I'm a Democrat, but uh, I'll never say that. Uh, you know, but but I I do think like look, if people like they if people have suspicions about the vote, <laughs> if people have uh, are, 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 if people feel like there needs to be uh, a recount or whatever measures under the law, I'm fine with that. 
You know, I'm fine if they want to go through, you know, if Trump wants to file a million lawsuits in every swing state, right. to, to, that's, that is his right. That is how we figure these things and out. You just leave it on the table, call it a day. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think my big, my biggest fear was that it would fall into one swing state and it would right. go to the Supreme Court and we would have a president elected by the electoral college losing the popular vote by with with a, a hand from the court. I think yeah. that would have been very damaging but, and I'm glad we, we didn't. You literally there. just described 2000. It fell into one swing state, it, one swing state and then it, it, you know what I'm saying like but yeah. but but, oh. but Dan like that's but, but when push comes to shove, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't say it was a perfect system, but that is the system. Yeah, and like, but I'll take that system anytime, anywhere, any day over any other system that's out there. That that that's really where I'm coming from. Like, I didn't I didn't say I liked it. I'm just saying that give me this or give me what they have outside of this country. Nah, I'll take this one. I'll I'll gladly take it. You know, because I like that answer. Yeah, I like that answer. Now, I mentioned at the top of the episode that I saw parallels between Trump's gain with black voters and his losses with white evangelicals. And I could be wrong here, but all the polling data indicates that it's generational. Younger voters are less likely to vote like their parents, which shouldn't be a huge surprise. Uh, But it does appear to be part of a larger realignment of both major parties uh, with their traditional core constituencies looking for alternatives. And I think the difference between the political realignment going on right now and prior ones is that today the system is way less responsive and much more beholden to special interests than ever. Uh, meaning the chances of folks finding the droids they're looking for in their new political homes are slim. I would love to hear your thoughts here, so feel free to swing by ydhty.com and let me know, or you can hit me up on social media with the hashtag ydhty, the first letters in you don't have to yell if you didn't pick that up. Per usual, the music that would normally be playing right now is courtesy of QuellerTac. YDHTY's editorial advisor is Adam Yaffe, who grew up in the same town as Macho Man Randy Savage. YDHTY is produced in North Carolina by the big Geno Jason Putney. Until the next, this is Dan Sally, and I really need a nap. Goodbye.